Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Hooligan. We've come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. Or like 18 episodes. It's been a minute. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Will popcorn make this movie funnier? Welcome back to the last part, part five of five of Freaks and Geeks. I I was so tempted to be like, let's just watch two episodes. And we'll make it a six part. (laughs) No. But then our fans would kill us. But thank you so much for being patient with us as this will be the conclusion of Freaks and Geeks. Yes. We've talked about it enough. Let's pour a fifth one out. So what have you got there? I have a strawberry margarita. All right. That I am calling... Daniel's AV class. Okay. Because to you, this is a treat. And to me, it's a punishment. I didn't make it too strong. Yeah, I was waiting for the noise. I follow a lot of junk food blogs because that's who I am. Right. And I had heard a lot about Pepsi Zero Cream Soda. Yes. And everybody says Pepsi soda, uh, Pepsi Zero cream soda is really good. Right. And it took me a really long time to find Pepsi Zero cream soda. So now I'm going to try Pepsi Zero cream soda to see if it lives up to the hype. Oh, it kind of does. <laughs> oh, twist. I'm having a sip. It just tastes like cream soda. There's not much Pepsi to it. Which is good because um, it's it's pretty hard to find diet cream soda. Yeah. We can usually only find it in the kosher aisle. Yeah. So yes, the long, do you have a name for it? The Freaks and Geeks. The Freaks and Geeks. That makes a lot of sense. All right, let's jump into this. This is episode 16, 17, and 18. We start with episode 16. And what we've been doing is uh, breaking it up into Freaks and Geeks. What what would you like to start with here? Um, let's do uh, the freaks or the cold open. Okay. So we open on the freaks messing around at a yard sale. Uh, they find uh, bongos, yes, and Nick, Nick is really excited about them because it brings him up to thirty one. Yes. In his over large drum kit that he's not very good at playing. Yeah, and like he names a song that they can do now because he finally has bongos. And then he and Ken go back to his house, and Nick discovers his drums are all missing. Yes. The drums are just gone. His father, I don't think he sold them. He just got rid of them. It's implied he sold them because Nick repeatedly asks for the money. Yeah. It's not clear what Mr. Andopolis did, but Nick thinks he they were sold and at least wants the money for yeah. them. So Nick's like, they're mine. I paid for them. You owe me money. And his dad just keeps going, end of conversation. End of conversation. Give me my money. 
End of conversation. Mr. Andopoulos is the first, um, one of the first parents we've met with no redeeming qualities, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Kim's parents are overwhelmed. Yeah. And Kim's mother tries. Yeah. Like, we see Kim's mother interact with the Weirs and get along with the Weirs. Mm-hmm. Mr. Andopoulos is the caricature. Yeah. Of a bad parent on a teenager TV show. Absolutely. And so the third time Mr. Andopoulos says end of conversation, Nick leaves. Yeah, Nick goes and stays with Daniel. And gets thrown out for breaking Daniel's toilet. He he forgot to flush. And there's a moment here I do want to point out. It doesn't sound important, but it will be. Uh... A pretty hippie girl takes a spare spare chair from their table and chats with them for a moment and then takes the chair back and Ken goes, deadheads, the music sucks, but the chicks are hot. I forgot all about that moment. And that moment, it turns out, is super important. Which is why I wanted to bring it up. I'm so glad you brought it up because I would have skimmed right over it. Ooh, I'm going to freak out later. Guys, get excited. It was written in to be foreshadowing. I'm going to freak out later. (laughs) So, uh, Nick repeatedly asks if he can stay at Lindsay's because Ken's like, no, my parents are too strict. You can't stay with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though Ken says in another episode, his parents barely see him. Yeah, that's true. And Lindsay's like, oh, well, you know my parents. No. And we get to the Weir's house at dinner and Lindsay and Harold are arguing about whether a woman can be president. Because he claims yes. that three days a month she'll be irrational. Right. And Lindsay counters that men have their periods too. Yeah. And then Nick turns up at the door and kind of just invites himself in for dinner. Yeah, he's and- just like, hey, I just wanted to stop by. It smells really good in there. And so Gene invites him in. And then he talks about how he's couch surfing. Well, what he does, this he's being like sly constantly. Because what he says is... Mr. Weir, you sell sleeping bags, right? Yeah. Why, are you going camping? No. I've just been spending a lot of my time sleeping on people's floors lately. So, you know, I thought I should probably get a good bag. Why on earth are you sleeping on people's floors? My dad kicked me out of the house. He didn't kick you out. He sold my drums. So he's like, just slipping it in that I don't have a place to stay tonight. To see if uh, the the weirs will bite. And they do. Uh, And interestingly enough, it is Harold who invites him to stay. Yeah, everyone's a bit baffled by this maneuver. And he kind of says, like, my schoolwork was interfering with my drums instead of my drums interfering with my schoolwork. Yeah. He's doing very poorly in school. And uh, Harold invites him to stay. So he still is into Lindsay, and the boys are roasting him for still being into Lindsay. Yeah. And Kim is just kind of trying to counsel Lindsay through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's this, you know... He kind of says, like, oh, you know, I wouldn't turn her away if she came to me in the middle of the night and said, like, Nick, I love you. Like, he's fantasized about what this would be. 
So, uh, Nick is later laying on the ca- laying on the a bedroom floor. Yeah, just listening to Rush. And Harold kind of pushes him into doing his homework. And when Nick refuses, Harold's like, "You want to listen to drummers? I'll show you some real drummers." Yeah, he's like, "This drummer sucks." Yeah, and then he shows him like some older, like big band style drummers who are doing really like impressive things. Yeah, and. It's, I love watching someone like really indulge in their hobby because he's like Nick closes his eyes and like is just listening to the drums. He's like, how, how are they doing that? And he's kind of like miming it. He's like, you got to be able to do that thing with your wrist that I can't do. Oh man, that's incredible. Like he's able to pick out little things. Yeah, like, oh, I always hold my sticks like this. Yeah, so like, you know, I, I relate to that because that's how I am when I'm, like, watching comedy. And I'm like, oh, I see what you did. That was great. Oh, so, like, I really enjoy this. It's very real, this moment of him, like, listening to drums. I've seen that with musical theater where you're, like, watching someone and you're like, oh, girl second him from the left totally almost just ate it. Yeah. Um, so, Lindsay comes in to see Nick dancing with her parents. Mm-hmm. And she is bewildered. Yes. So then, later, Lindsay's in bed, someone knocks on the door, and it's Nick. Mm-hmm. And he awkwardly thanks her for stay, letting him stay. And it's clear he is trying to angle to be invited into her room. Yeah. It does not work. <laughs> He's like, just go back to sleep. And so they, they go, like, he stubs his toe on his way back. And... Lindsay and Sam rush out. Nick is in his, like, man speedo. He is in a pair of, like, WWE referee briefs. Banana hammock! <laughs> it's just, a, it's just total zebra stripes. But he's just... <laughs> I had this thought, and I feel bad for having this thought, but I will share it. It made me feel bad for Jason Siegel. Yeah. Because he looks so good here. Compared to how he looks in Forgetting Shit Sarah Marshall. It's like, oh man, what happened, bud? It, it's very funny because it does make me think of... He's just cool with it. He just thinks this is funny. Yeah, as an actor, he just likes being naked. <laughs> well, it's also very interesting because I believe that scene in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall is partially based off his real breakup with Linda Cardellini. Oh, really? Yes. Although he is the first person to say that uh, his breakup with Linda Cardellini was entirely amicable. His fault? Oh, <laughs> amicable. Yes. So, uh, so we get that, like, funny moment. Uh, this is the only time I'm going to mention Sam in this storyline. Sam's pajamas are sick! Yeah, Sam is seen showing uh, Star Wars uh, jammies that show the droids, and they're sick. Yeah, they're like these like classic button-up pajamas. They are sick. Nope. Um, so anyway, uh, Nick is working part-time at Harold's store now. A, a couple of days have gone by. Yeah, as He's a stock boy. To, to pay, pay for, for drum, drum lessons. lessons. And Lindsay is frustrated and points out the disparity privately to Harold about how Harold treats Nick better than he treats Lindsay. Right. And Harold is like, I feel bad bad for Nick. 
Mm-hmm. Essentially telling Lindsay, like, he expects more of her. I expect more from you. And, like, he says, like, a very good dad thing of, like, it is torture every moment I can't see you. Because I don't know what you're doing. Like, when you went to that sleepover at Millie's, I spent the whole time thinking you were going to sneak out and go back and hang out with your friends at, like, a diner and then see a foreign film. He doesn't say that. (laughs) He doesn't say that, but... I understand where he's coming from, where he's like... I'm harsher on you because I expect more of you and I care about you more. Well, this is pity for this man. Mr. Andopoulos then turns up at the door. Yes. To collect his son. To collect Nick. And he's has not learned anything. He's not changed. He's still pretty awful. I mean, he gives Mr. Weir a bunch of crap because basically saying, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Wait till you have a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. And as Nick's leaving, he looks at the Weirs and says, are you sure you don't want to adopt me? Yeah. I hate Nick now. Yeah, it's... Nick is not super likable in this sequence. Well, I've been through the experience where my sister's boyfriend was trying to treat my parents like they were his parents. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I'm just, you know, trying to be a good son to not my dad. And the whole time it's just like, you don't even go here. This is unacceptable behavior. <laughs> so, like, I don't know how we as an audience are supposed to feel about Nick, because I'm colored by my past, but I was like, Nick is a scumbag. He is manipulating these people's kindness right now. And he doesn't deserve anything right now. He and does. He, gets, co- he suffers, again, no consequences for any of this. He lost his drums, but he has drum lessons now. Yeah, he does come off weirdly manipulative in this episode. And unfortunately, we don't spend that much more time with him. Yeah, this is kind of going to be the end of him for the most part. We're going to see him in the last episode, but he's weird in this the last episode, so. So let's, if I could turn back time, freak, or geeks time. It's geeks time. We are debating what's a better film, The Jerk or Caddyshack. Laura, what's your answer? Caddyshack. The jerk. Uh, I have emotional reasons for Caddyshack. Same. I've actually never seen Caddyshack. Oh, uh, my beloved godfather really loved Caddyshack, so. Oh. Uh, understood. Yeah. Understood. Um, so, it's because of my, like, we he used to have the big gopher that would dance. <laughs> uh, in, I'm alright. Yeah, he'd have that in his home, and I would set it off every time I was there as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Anytime I see anything Caddyshack, it makes me think of him. So, Cindy asks Sam to talk at lunch and, like, makes him get up from the lunch table and go talk to him. And she and Todd have split up. Yeah. And she needs someone to talk to, and she wants to call Sam that night. And Sam's like, okay. Yeah, I'll go back to being your friend. And, uh, Cindy then, the next day, confronts Bill in science class. Yeah. And begs Bill to find out if Sam likes her because she likes Sam. Yes. Bill, real cool about it. (laughs) Well, I I also love the line where she's like, 
Can you find out if Sam likes me? I know I can trust you because we're lab partners. And I, of course, was like, continuity. Yay. Love to see it. Yeah, it it's cute. And she also says, tell him he should ask me to Mona's party. Yeah. So he and Neil naturally put Sam up to asking Cindy out and they watch as he goes up to her. They mm. cannot hear them. Uh, she says yes and kisses him very quickly, which I think would be Sam's first kiss. It's just like quick in the hallway. like Mwah. I believe it's on the cheek. Oh, is it? Yeah. So Sam asks Lindsay about kissing because we do have the one per episode of Sam and Lindsay being in the same house. Mm-hmm. And... Lindsay just kind of gives him vague, like, you'll know when you're there, advice. So, Neil and Bill bother Sam to get them invited to the party. Yeah. And they they end up going. And we also get this weird kissing montage. Yes. Uh, I only have one note about it. Morty, why? No, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Neil kisses his doll. Yep. His figure, rather, which is very strange. And there's this whole thing about the party because it's a makeout party. Yes. And they're all, like, nervous about it. And Sam says, I'm worried that I kiss wrong. And I believe Neil responds, you can't kiss wrong. You can. You can. You can, in fact, kiss wrong. You totally can. I used to kiss wrong. Really? I was a wrong kisser. Um, I used to do this thing when I was kissing, where I'd open my... (laughs) I shouldn't share this. This might get cut. I'd open my mouth too big, and then I would suck both of her lips into my mouth at the same time. Oh my god. And every time I've done it, it was the response was, "What are you doing?" And I would say it's the Hoover maneuver. And I thought because it rhymed, it was fine. No, but it got to a point where a girl was like, "Look, you need to stop doing that." I was like, "Ah, it's the Hoover." No, don't. You need to stop doing that. So yes, anyone out there that has been told that you can't kiss wrong, you can, and you have been. No, I've I've actually literally never been told anything. I've always gotten good reviews. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so they get to a party and there's an argument between Neil and Bill about wearing a turtleneck because everyone looks cool in a turtleneck because it's 1980. I think we also need to talk about the fact that Sam is not invited to this party. No, he's essentially, like, her date. Sam, like, is told to ask Cindy to Mona's party. Which, first off, who the hell is Mona? And secondly, like, it's a party he was unaware of until he was informed to ask Cindy about it. Yeah. So now he's going with Cindy and he brings two more uninvited dudes... Because you know what every makeup party always needs? More dudes! More dudes that no one invited. Yeah. So, this is not a way to make a good impression. <laughs> so, uh, they had the argument about the turtlenecks. 
And Neil concedes that Neil was wearing a dickie, so Neil then just takes off the turtleneck part, which is funny. Yes. <laughs> and Sam begs them not to embarrass him. Yeah. Because Neil and Bill are being weirdos, and Sam's like, don't embarrass me. Mm-hmm. Cindy comes in and immediately just drags Sam away, leaving the other two kind of stranded. Yeah. They're, and, they're nervous, but they eventually talk themselves into mingling. And then the next thing we see is spin the bottle. Yes. And everybody keeps landing on Cindy. Well, yeah, it should be noted that we also got a sequence of Neil practicing spin the bottle. Yes. Uh, but every time Neil spins, it lands on Bill. Yes. Which is great. Even when he makes Bill move. Yeah, it makes Bill move and then it lands on Bill again. It's a fun joke. Uh, Bill lands on Vicky. And Vicky is rude about Bill kissing her hand. Yeah, well, because on first spin, it's just the hand. And then it's face to face, and then it's seven minutes in heaven. So Bill gets Vicky again. Yes. Before we get into what happens with Bill and Vicky, though, there's there's an important little bit that that you missed, and I don't blame you for missing it. There's another guy there. Yeah, he's the he's like the jerk. Yeah, he's just like, oh, you know, why are he's just like saying stuff, and he wants kisses and stuff like that. You know who that was, right? Yeah. It's the fourth member of the band. Yeah. And we kept saying, like, who's this guy? He just, like, he shows up sporadically and, like, does a thing. But he's never crucial to the plot. We watch everything on Hulu Mm -hmm. with closed captionings on. Yes, we do. At one point, this character speaks and... He's not in frame, so they put a character name up. Yeah. Do you remember what the character name is? No. Boy! He doesn't have a name! Which is funny, because I believe he does in the script. I'm sure he must! But the fact that the subtitles are like, I don't know, that guy? (laughs) Goes to show how confusing this character is to just be around. Yeah, I mean, he's not in a lot of... he He's one of the many guys who's kind of low-key around. Mm-hmm. We've seen him in several episodes. It's just, it's funny that they did that. Bill gets Vicky again, weird about it. And then uh, Vicky gets Bill for seven minutes in heaven. Yes. And Sam is gone by this point. Sam and Cindy have gone to a spare bedroom to talk. Yes. And Vicky is immediately rude to Bill. And he look, he doesn't make a move on her, and he's like, I think you're a jerk. I couldn't be less happy to be in here with you right now. Yeah. And he points out that people are nicer to Vicky because she's pretty. Yeah. Well, I like and Vicky Bill. concedes that she's been unkind. Yeah, Bill asks, what's it like to be pretty? And she's like, I don't know, I've just always been this way. It's like, ugh. <laughs> and Vicky asks Bill why he's always so happy. And Bill says, I watch movies in my head. Which sounds a little Tropic Thunder. It sounds, yeah. (laughs) It's literally a line from Tropic Thunder about my head movies. Yeah, you're always laughing or something. So what are you laughing about? I watch movies in my head. 
my mama. Now you can have ice cream in heaven. I'll see you tonight when I go to bed in my head movies. But this head movie makes my eyes rain. Yeah, it's a little simple, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so th- there's this kind of moment and Vicky and Bill kind of bond. And then Vicky kisses Bill. Yes. Sam asks Cindy if he can kiss her and she allows it and then shoves him back on the bed. Yeah. And John Francis Daly does panic face. Yeah. And Cindy turns off the lights and we see Sam panic as darkness falls. Meanwhile, Vicky and Bill are making out long after the time is up. Yeah. And Neil bangs on the door like, it's been seven minutes. Come on. I hate this. Yeah? I un- I'm okay with the whole Cindy and Sam thing. I think that's cute. I like the idea of, like, Cindy's experienced and Sam's a little, like, unsure of what to do. I hate the Vicky Bill stuff. Okay. Because for some reason... Men like to write women in a way where kissing them is something that they're just withholding. Because the motivation for Vicky to kiss Bill is pity. Like, all right, I know kissing is a thing you want, so I'll give it to you. And I hate the characterization of men want to kiss And women like to withhold it. Yeah. And they can kiss anyone they want. It's not a problem to kiss anyone they want. But they withhold it until they feel bad for you. This is a terrible message. And I hate it. Okay. Because we're supposed to look look at it as Bill got a win. Yeah. He got to kiss Vicky. But it's under such gross pretenses. Like, I would understand if it it even was, uh, the bottle landed on us, I have to do this. And they felt, like, Bill gets his first kiss based off of society pressures, because that's very true to life. Yeah. Painting the fact that women don't kiss men because they don't want to make them happy is horrible. (laughs) And I hate it. And Vicky has been characterized as, and like, because the show doesn't last much longer, this is pretty much the last time we see Vicky. This is the last time we see Vicky, you're right. I think we see her briefly in the next episode, but briefly. Yeah, she's mentioned. No, we see her at the lunch table. I, oh, I know for a fact she's mentioned. But we don't see her do much. Yeah. Uh, like Nick, a lot of her story ends. Yes. Really, <laughs> because we're getting towards the end. And... This is also really our last, like, very Bill-centric story. Yeah, Bill's going to get sidelined for the most for the rest of this, pretty much. He'll be around, but we're not going to learn anything. We will not see Mister Fredericks again. No. So that whole thing about or Neil's parents about him having his new dad. Oh yeah, we don't see Neil's parents again. Granted, we kind of got an ending to the Neil Parent storyline. We don't see Barry. We don't see Gloria Haverchuk. Right. 
the the Neil parents thing, like I was saying though, like did kind of get an ending. Yeah. In that, like, the ending is this super purposely unsatisfying. Yeah, I know your father cheats on me. We're working on it, which is very true to life, and I I support that. Uh, but yeah, we we don't see Alan again. Alan's gone. Uh, yeah, they're all just gone. <laughs> uh, 17. Uh, we get a previously on. Yes, which makes me happy. This was the last episode filmed. Okay. Uh, it was not the last one aired, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, do we want geeks or freaks first? This is a weird one, because I feel like it's... There's, it's kind of Freaks, Geeks, and Lindsay in this one. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's Sam, Ken... Do you want to go Sam storyline, Ken storyline, or Lindsay storyline? Let, let's do let's do the Sam thing since we just did... Uh, just to continue the Cindy saga. Okay, so uh, Sam is now going steady with Cindy. Yeah. And she's over for dinner... And we find out she is head of the Young Republicans. Yes. And Vice President George Herbert Walker Bush is coming to the school. Yeah. So, uh, Cindy gets to introduce him because she's head of the Young Republicans Club. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the next, we see them at lunch the next day, and Vicky and Cindy are talking about another school's cheerleaders not being pretty. This cracked me up because we are seeing how the other half lives. Sam is at the cool sports table now. And it sucks. Aw. That's just like the dream. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, I got to be at the cool table. And then the cool table sucks. It sucks. So Sam is starting to realize that dating Cindy is not all it's cracked up to be. And uh, Cindy tries to pick a fight between Sam and Todd. Yeah. And Todd's like, I, Tom literally says, I like Sam. I like what do you Sam. want us to do? Fight? Mm-hmm. And Sam admits to Bill and Neil that Cindy's boring. Yeah. Like, all we do is make out. And Neil's like, I hate you. <laughs> and so Sam decides to ask Cindy out on a real date. That he plans. Yeah. That's something he wants to do. Yeah, because Cindy wanted to go, like, swimming with the jocks in the creek. Yeah. Which, like, simultaneously is like, ooh, the girls are all going to be in swimsuits. Along with, I'm going to be with all the jocks in my swimsuit. Yes. There's always the catch-22 there. Yeah. It's like, so let me try to do, like, a real date. And Cindy's like, oh, you want to take your girlfriend out on a date like a gentleman. Okay. That's really romantic, Sam. Yeah. Cindy has this problem where her character just says how she feels out loud. <laughs> We're going to get to how I feel about that toward the end of the show. Oh, okay, good. Uh, so they go see... Uh, we get a nice little scene... With Jean and Sam. Mm-hmm. And Jean gives Sam a fair family heirloom necklace to give to Cindy. Yeah. Which already you're like, oh no, because you already know the relationship's not going well. Mm-hmm. So he gets to the movies and Cindy is just straw man Republican. Like, 
I think poor people should get jobs, not handouts. Yeah. Like what you would totally talk about on a date. Yeah, this episode's also clearly anti-Republican. Yeah. Which, like, if that's what the show wants to do, sure. But, like, it was interesting. I had this moment where they mentioned Cindy's a, uh, the head of the Young Republicans. And I felt like my guard go up. Because I was like, you've mentioned politics at the dinner table. Sound the alarm. There will be <laughs> violence here. And I was like, wait, it's 1980. You're allowed to just do that. Like, you can say what side you lean politically without the other side trying to stab you. Like, it's great. <laughs> so I was just like, all right, cool. So there's not going to be like a weird slant. We'll see both sides. And then as soon as Cindy's like, just why can't the poor get jobs? I was like, nope, <laughs> guess not. I mean... I think it's obvious where I lean politically, uh, but I was surprised to see freaks and geeks take a stance. <laughs> I mean, this was also the late 90s when this was written right. and released. So, true, like, true. that's... It was also just a very different time politically uh, where it was less... It was a little less divisive. Right. Uh, Cindy mentioned that Todd was a Democrat and Sam, to try to stop this conversation, gives her the necklace... She asks immediately how much it cost. Yeah. And he doesn't know because it's an heirloom. And then she tries to put it on him. And, or he tries to put it on her, rather. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 it's going to be cold. It's metal on my neck. Yeah. And then the movie starts. And they went to go see the movie The Jerk. Yes. Cindy is clearly hating it. Well, I kind of like the parallel because in the previous episode, Bill connects with Vicky over The Jerk. Yeah. And in this episode, Sam cannot connect with Sydney over the jerk. And he just cannot get her to find anything fun about the movie. Yeah. So she decides to try to give Sam a hickey, and he's not enjoying that either. Oh, what are you doing? I'm giving you something. God, what are you giving me? you goof. Later that night, Sam is laying on the couch and he and Lindsay actually have a scene together. Yeah. And he talks about how Cindy didn't laugh once at the movie. Lindsay teases Sam about the hickey, but tells her like, look, not all good looking people are cool. And just because she's pretty, that might not be enough. Right. Uh, so then the next day, Sam is wearing a turtleneck. Yes. Uh, there's a little moment where Bill tells Neil he made out with Vicky. And Neil accuses him of lying. Shut up, Bill. And we actually do have a moment with Ken and Sam uh, that we'll get into at the when we get into the Ken storyline. Yes. Uh, but Sam meets up with Cindy at her locker, and she's angry he's wearing a turtleneck. Yes, this is a great little parallel. Uh, and they, they spell it out for you. Uh, she's upset he's wearing a turtleneck to not show off the hickey. And he's like, well, you're not wearing the necklace. She's like, well, it's ugly. And there's something really funny of comparing wearing an heirloom necklace to proudly sporting a hickey at school as the same thing. <laughs> so he, she calls the necklace ugly and then Sam snaps and says, I don't want to be your boyfriend. I just want to be friends again like we were. 
Yeah. And Cindy responds with, no. He says he's not having fun. She admits she's also not having fun. And she throws the necklace at him. And then Bill and Neil awkwardly waddle over. Yeah, so this is very interesting because Sam's in this conundrum where he has to break up with Cindy. But nowhere really in his conundrum is he ever like, she's going to be sad. All he keeps saying is like, this is social suicide. Yeah. I'm dating the most popular kid in school and I'm going to go up to her and be like, I don't want to know more. Also, we see this new thing of like Cindy rejecting it because she's not used to this type of treatment. Like, I'm supposed to get the nice guy. I'm a cheerleader. Yeah, she points out that he on- she only dated him because he was nice. Yeah. And Neil's like, Sam, you're too good for her. And Bill goes, are we going to eat lunch together again? Yeah, which is sweet. And Sam's like, of course we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we see the next time we see Cindy at the end of the assembly, she's obviously been crying when she introduces the vice president. Yes. So, Lindsay or Ken? Uh, I think since Lindsay's like the end of the episode, let's do Ken. All right. So, uh, Tuba Girl. Remember Tuba Girl? So, we see uh, them talking and Tuba Girl, Amy, uh, is talking about how she has to play Hail to the Chief. Yes, because the Vice President is coming. And we get a nice scene of her and Ken chilling and... He talks about his upbringing and how his parents weren't really around and calls his nanny the best mommy money could buy. Yeah, I always forget this. Ken's Ken's loaded. Yeah, because his plan was to wait for his dad to die and then just cash in the company. And she says she appreciates him confiding in her and she wants to tell him something personal on her part. And she hems and haws and she kind of is anxious about telling him. She does that... I'm going to tell you something, but you've got to promise not to freak out. Which is like the worst thing. Because it's like, oh, this could be anything. And now I just have to all right, focus on not having a reaction. What do, what do you want to tell me? Uh, he is concerned that she has killed someone. Yes. And it turns out uh, that she was born with both male and female genitalia. But the doctors, the doctors and her parents decided she would be female. Yes. I'm immediately terrified. I was like, they are not going to tell this story well, are they? Uh, Ken is clearly thrown by this. But he still really likes Amy. And he tries to identify her. He's like, yeah, well, I had to get my appendix out. And the doctors took care of that. So, you know. Yeah. Like, he honestly, extremely mature reaction. Yeah. From a guy now. Yeah. Much less a guy in 1980 who cannot look up the word intersex on Google. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, real cool yeah, about it. Like, but, like, I think what they're trying to say is, like, he's acting cool, but he's disassociating in his brain. But because it's Ken, we as the audience can't really tell that he's acting differently. <laughs> so, the next time we see them interact, it's awkward. They're still, they're still together, but they're really awkward about it. Mm-hmm. To, be, to me, though... She's really awkward, and Ken is acting the way he's always acted. Yeah. And Ken is then hanging out with Nick and Daniel. 
And he is considering breaking things off and tells Nick and Daniel why. Yeah. And I'm going, no, 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 no. Because it's not a good thing to tell, like, two other dumb teenage guys. Right. And Daniel's a little gross about it, and Nick is like, but she went to the doctor, and she's just a girl now, so who cares? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if this happens before or after, but there is a fight between uh, Amy and Ken, where Amy's like, I can't take this anymore. And Ken's just kind of like, it's fine. The doctors took care of it. You were a girl. You or you are a girl now. It's all fine. And she then says, a part of me will always be this. Yeah. And that's when he's kind of like, oh, well, then I'm confused. <laughs> so then we get this little montage. Ken goes to Rosso for advice. Yes. Uh, with, in a scene, because he's like, I need your help. And Rosso is pleased as punch that someone is confiding in him. But we find out he's confiding because he's like, I might, because Ken's like, I think I might be gay and I'm asking you because I think you're gay. Yeah, since you're gay. And Rosso's like, what? And then we get Ken, uh, he tries to listen to David Bowie, but he prefers. It should be noted that when Rosso says he's straight, Ken just leaves. Yeah. (laughs) Ken tries to listen to David Bowie, but then prefers his music. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he tries to compare how he feels when he looks at Playpen magazine which is for uh, which is naked pictures of men? Yeah. And boudoir magazine, which is naked pictures of women. Yeah. And uh, so he's trying to figure this out. And then we uh, get this moment of uh, Amy and Ken turn up, and Daniel goes, "Hey guys," and, and Ken overreacts. Yeah, Ken's like, "What's that supposed to mean?" And then Ken punches Daniel, and I cheer not because daniel deserves it for that comment just because someone needed to punch daniel for episodes and it finally happened i was like finally so uh amy realizes that ken told the rest of his group Mm -hmm. and freaks out and then uh Lindsay's like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I have no clue what's happening right now. So, later that night, Ken tries to, like, throw rocks at Amy's window to get her attention. She ignores him. Mm -hmm. And Ken's just walking around dejected. And Daniel pulls up next to him and tells him, like, come on, get in the car, I'll drive you home. Mm -hmm. This is the last scene James Franco shot for the series. Really? Yep. Interesting. So the next day, it's the day of the assembly, uh, Amy and Lindsay talk. Yeah. And Lindsay's like, I genuinely don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what the problem is, but Ken's really upset. So we get a scene with Ken and Sam in the bathroom. Yeah, this is an interesting Because Ken hears Sam throwing up. Mm -hmm. And Ken's like, you just puked. Aren't you Lindsay's brother? Yeah, which to me is so funny. Because in episode two, Sam goes up to Ken and says, can you be nice to my sister? And Ken says, sure. Which one's your sister? Which I always thought was Ken telling a joke. 
Yeah. But this scene confirms that he didn't know Sam was Lindsay's brother in episode two. And uh, Sam and Ken talk about their respective relationship woes. And Sam says, you know, I, I don't have anything to talk about with my girlfriend. We don't have fun. And with that, Ken realizes how great Amy really is and how yeah. much he really cares about her. And so Ken stops Amy as they're going into the assembly, apologizes and says, look, look, I don't care. Yeah. And they hug, they kiss, and she just whacks him in the head with the tuba by accident. <laughs> yeah. This was unscripted. Oh, really? She actually, for real, real, hits him with the tuba. Yeah. It should be noted that he is looking for her and, like, comes up to, like, three other girls with tubas. Yeah. So there are four female tuba players in this. They were not all... He just goes up to everyone who looks like it's kind of... A, he goes up to a French horn player. Oh, and that's grabs true. grabs him. <laughs> that's true. He grabs everybody with a... With long hair. Large... <laughs> with a large brass in, yeah. instrument. Um, and during the assembly, uh, Ken cheers on the band to make Amy laugh. Yeah, hell to the chief rules. Yeah, band rules. Uh, so it's very cute. Yeah, so in the end, we have these parallels of Sam is dating the ideal girl and hates it. And then they break up while Ken is dating the... What's the word I want to use here? Uh, um, the, not, she's not like a band geek. Yeah. And realizing that she's everything he wants. Yeah. Ken is with somebody who he probably would have refused to date on paper knowing just that about her. But she's perfect for him. Yeah. So the last storyline is Lindsay. Yes. And Rosso's excited because uh, he has scored that Lindsay is going to get to ask the first question during yes. the informal student Q&A. To the vice president, yay. And Rosso pushes on it, pushes on her, and he's really like over the top and weird about it. And he says it's her destiny to interact yeah. with world leaders. Discourse between the younger and the older. It's going to be great for you. So she's trying to figure out what to ask. And we see the Secret Service agent because they're starting to sweep the school. Yes. And the Secret Service agent is Ben Stiller. It's Ben Stiller. And Ben Stiller asks her to leave. And then pretty much tells Rosso, like, we have eyes on you. Yeah. And they sweep his office. So there's a great moment where uh, Kim and Lindsay are trying to suggest questions. Lindsay talks about, like, trickle-down economics. And Kim talks about the aliens at Roswell. Yeah, ask him about the aliens at Roswell. And then bo both girls laugh. It's like a good little mm. Bechdel bonding moment. And we also have established in the dinner scene at the beginning that Mr. Weir is worried because there's a new sports store at the mall. Yes. So, uh, Lindsay submits her questions and she and Rosso both get mad because her questions were too sophisticated. Yeah. Which is something she finds out when she finds Rosso has locked his keys in his car. Mm-hmm. And Rosso's just kind of broken down. Yeah. At this point. 
He's like, all my protesting in the 60s meant nothing, man. Everyone I protested with is making money on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So, Rosso is, like, burned out and sad. Yeah, not in the the Nick and Daniel way. And Lindsay... In the adult way. And he tells her, like, your questions were too sophisticated. Here's your question that you get to ask. And it's, what's your favorite place to eat in Michigan? Yeah. <laughs> and Lindsay is young, idealistic, and angry about it. Mm-hmm. So when we get to the day of the assembly, uh, Ross is all cleaned up the next morning and cheerful. Lindsay's weirded out. She's wearing a t-shirt that Harold has given her. Yes. Uh, her dad has asked her to mention the store when asking the question. Which is such a dad thing. Yeah. Like, hi, my name is Lindsay Weir. My dad owns A1 Sporting Goods on... I forget the name of the highway. Yeah. And that, like... And then ask, like, where do you like to eat? And so she's wearing the t-shirt still. Yeah, she's wearing the t-shirt. And as she's headed in, she sees Mr. Rosso being escorted away by security. By Ben Stiller. Who is Ben Stiller. Because of his past actions in protest, he's now a person of interest and he's not allowed to be at the assembly. So we then see a really funny, a very funny scene. Yes. Of Ben Stiller, it smash cuts to Rosso's office and Ben Stiller is whining about how boring it is. Because he found out Rosso's a guidance counselor. And he's like, my job is so boring. The vice president has never been assassinated. Because who cares? Yeah. And the last time we see Rosso and Ben, uh, ben Stiller, Ben Stiller's taking a career guidance test. Yeah. And so Bush gives a speech. We never see Bush. No. They, they do that thing where you have a, a, a known person, so they always just film, like, their shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that choice, but I guess they couldn't get Dana Carvey. There's probably no one they could cast that was gonna that wouldn't draw focus from the moment, right? Because Lindsay stands to give her question, and she says, "You know, Mr. Vice President, my name is Lindsay Weir. Um, my dad owns A1 Sporting Goods on 16 Mile Road. My question is, why did your staff reject my question? Are you afraid of an open discourse with the students?" And Rosso looks up at the loudspeaker because it's being broadcast and smiles. Yeah, because he's proud. I liked this episode Credits. a lot. I liked this episode a lot as well. Uh, I think they did some really good things in telling a lot of stories, but letting them all have like a chance to breathe. Uh, it's very interesting that Rosso gets so much in yeah. this episode. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's a good episode. And it is all setting up for our epic conclusion to Freaks and Geeks. Now, I want to bring this up before we even get into this. They knew this was the final episode when they filmed it, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Let's start with the geeks on this one, because I only have, like, this much notes for it. Okay. So. And by the geeks, I mean the geeks and Daniel. Yes, because Daniel... uh, was going to cheat off uh, Dave Flurry for the final, but Dave Flurry broke his arm in gym that morning. Yes. Uh, Dave Flurry, real life friend of Paul Feig. 
Oh, uh, that's funny. They just named him for someone they knew. Oh, cool. So Daniel bolts and is gonna uh, pull the fire alarm. And Rosso catches him. And they have this great moment where he goes, so you think you're pretty cool? And Daniel goes, no. No. I don't think I'm cool. So Rosso sentences Daniel. Well, I really want to, to stress this. Okay. Rosso says all this stuff of like, I know I'm usually cool. I'm the cool guy. But you know what? I'm not going to be cool this time. I'm going to be mean. And Daniel's like, consequences for my actions? We established in this show that there are no consequences for my actions. And he's like, no, I'm not being a cool. You're going to be punished. You're going to take AV, which his punishment is a class? It appears to be an extracurricular. Oh. But that happens during the day. That happens during school. And it's the last week of school. Mm-hmm. What? How did that happen? I I don't know. It's just I find this all confusing. And there, we then see guess guess who's in AV Club, guys? You'll never guess. All the characters we know who are the geeks. All the characters who are geeks who are now being more actively bullied by the jocks. Yeah. Which is kind of the result of. Sam dumping Cindy, which makes sense. And Sam's like, why do people think I'm a geek? And then Harris, the nerd sage, pops out of the wall and is like, look guys, new D&D book. Yeah. You want to play D&D? And Bill and Neil are like, do we? Yeah. So uh, they go to AV Club and they we meet Mr. Fleck. Yes. Who is uh, Higgins. Higgins from uh, The Tonight Show. Yes. With Jimmy Fallon. Who's just smoking in his classroom. Yeah, which is very strange. Around film. And he sets them straight on their life trajectory. Kind of does the speech every nerd gets by an adult at some point. Yeah. About how like the jocks are going to peak in high school. Yeah. And you're going to do well. And he says like, look guys, I was able to get you something. Because it's the last week of school. And he presents them with a 16 millimeter film reel of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. That he like traded a guy for. So it's this nice like little... Like, oh, they have a cool teacher. They probably should have had this cool mentor the whole time. Yeah, it's weird that he's only showing up in the last episode of the show, but whatever. You know, they're in AV, and Fleck reluctantly introduces Daniel to the geeks. And even kindly Gordon goes, why? (laughs) Why? And Gordon then offers to teach a surly Daniel how to fix the projector. Sam defends Daniel to the other geeks, And Neil's like, he gave you a porno once. That doesn't make him a good person. Yeah. I want to bring that up real quick. Yeah? The porno, you know, was a film reel. Yep. Which would imply Daniel knows how to use a projector. Unless he's just got all these pornos where he's like looking at them through the light like, ah, this would be cool if I could make this work. (laughs) Remember that for later. So... Uh, we get, we get that little, sorry, so I, I have to go through so many notes to get back to the geeks. It's all good, baby. There's editing. Um, so Daniel then has to go start a movie for an English class. And he's horrified to see it's the English class that belongs to Nick, Kim, and Lindsay. 
Yes, because the English class is going to show Romeo and Juliet. The 1968 one. Which cracked me up because in English, my in high school, every year we watched Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> the the hand Christian Anderson or no? Franco Zeffirelli? Yes, that version. The DiCaprio version. No, that's Baz Luhrmann. Oh, okay. That version. The oh. DiCaprio version. Oh, see, we watched the Franco Zeffirelli version in my school. Yeah, we watched the Baz Luhrmann one. And uh, I made the same joke every year where Juliet cries while like wearing a ring that has like a necklace on it. And it looks like there's snot coming out of her nose. And I bring it up. I brought it up every year. Got a big laugh every time. And so, like, every year when I was like, we're watching this movie, I was like, I, I get to do my joke again. How exciting. Uh, so you know what's exciting about the Franco Zeffirelli version if you're uh, in high school? You see butt. <gasps> but? Yeah. Whom's? His. Oh. Well, when you're 14. Well, yeah. <laughs> when you're 14, you are excited to see. See a little bootay. Yeah, like... We were very, very excited about this. I just, I just remember that. So, uh, he struggles with the projector. Someone helps him. And he agonizes about being on AV to Kim because he sucks at everything. And then Kim just kind of unceremoniously dumps him. Like, for some reason, after everything Daniel has done, this is the thing. This is the thing, yeah. And I didn't read it as a breakup. I was just like, oh, they fought again. Yeah, like, I don't know why that was suddenly what happened. I genuinely don't. Nor do I. He goes in and Bill is talking about his new playable character. And he's always a rogue. They say thief, but we know he means rogue. And Neil goes, no, you can't play a thief. You always fall down a well trying to steal stuff. Yes, that's how I play Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) And Sam doesn't really want to play because he's tired of being a geek. So we're starting to get this moment. They're talking in the AV room and Harris is like, ancient Babylonia, get hype. And Daniel asks some questions. Yes. And concedes that the dancing sword is kind of cool. And Harris invites Daniel, who initially demurs, and then Sam kind of accidentally convinces him. Yeah. He, Sam is saying the things that convince him to goad Neil and Bill. Mm-hmm. But it actually does convince Daniel to join them. So, Daniel ends up genuinely enjoying it. Yeah, so the, the whole thing about It's intercut this, with another scene. Right. But, th- like, the through line through this is Daniel's not good at anything. And it's really starting to get to him. And there is one, like, little scene where we see uh, Sam forgot his jacket. And he goes back to the AV room and you see Daniel, like, with a book out trying to fix a projector. Yeah. So, like, we finally see him trying to do a thing. And then when he goes to play Dungeons and Dragons, the first thing he says is, don't expect me to be good at this. And Gordon kind of says, we like doing this because we get to be someone we're not. Right. And Daniel connects with that idea. They have a lot of fun. Yeah, he's a dwarf. They make him a dwarf, I think. Yeah, and his name is Carlos. Carlos the dwarf, that's right. And 
he has a lot of fun. And then Daniel says, like, can we play again tomorrow night? And everyone goes, like, yeah. Yeah. Because they, they actually do finish a campaign. Yes, which is the most unrealistic part of the show. Uh, people who like D&D actually do really like this interpret, like, did really enjoy this presentation of it. Yeah. Uh, this, I based on what I was researching, this and Community. I, I will say, props to this, the, when they show the table, like, you see everyone with a character sheet, and then in the middle is a maze that has been constructed with dominoes. Yeah. And I was like, that's on point. Yes. Because everyone used to have their little, like, token that was their character. Yeah. And the times I've played d and I've never had, like, a real one. You stole it from a Monopoly game? Because that's what I would do. Uh, no, it would be random possessions. Uh, there was a point where it was, like, a Pikachu earring. Okay. Like, just whatever I could find. I think, actually, at one point it was the Jigglypuff out of Pokemon Monopoly. There you go. Specifically. That's a perfect one. Uh, so, Daniel has fun. And that's where Daniel's storyline ends. Yeah, that's the end of Daniel, is he is single and friends with freshmen. <laughs> oh, when you say that, friend, Harris is a sophomore. Oh, excuse me. Uh, I mean, Daniel's a super, super junior. Well, also, it should, yeah, that's also a really good point, is that Daniel is 18. <laughs> and these guys are 14, 15? Yeah. Uh, that they, they kind of have like a meeting when Daniel walks out of the room like, Wow, he's cool. Yeah. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? I don't know. I'm going to go for us being cool guys. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, definitely cool guys. It's like, no. You're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You're doing, you're doing the geek thing. Just you're not leeching off of Daniel's coolness, because Daniel kind of sucks. <laughs> and uh, so, so that's a, it's a nice little moment though of like him finally kind of connecting. Is it? <laughs> I kind of think it is. He finally genuinely enjoys and connects with something. Yeah, I guess he has something that he's passionate about. I would make one subtle change to this. Okay. I think I would end it with, can we play again tomorrow? Yeah. Can I be the dungeon master? Because that would play back to the conversation he had with Harris, where Harris is like, I think you'd make a great dungeon master. Yeah. And then, like, being a player of D&D is kind of like, it's a fun thing to do. But, like, being a DM does involve creativity, responsibility, managing things, and a lot of math. I also think that it's hard to jump right from, I've played D&D once, I'm going to be the DM. Yeah, but I think, I think you're I think you're pushing it. I think you don't a, like the rest of this episode. I think as a D and D guy, I'd understand that. And the thing is, Harrison doesn't have to say yes. Like I, Harrison just would just need to be like, I can teach you. 
I disagree. I think this is good as it is. I would just, I would like to see some ambition out of him. <laughs> I mean, I think like he's actually finding something he connects with and maybe the geeks are where he's going to end up being comfortable. Yeah. Especially because we know he flunked that math test, so he's probably going to be another... We don't! <laughs> he probably did. That's the thing that I'm most frustrated about, is... Really? We that's see... the thing you're most frustrated about? When it comes to him. <laughs> we see the consequences of Daniel pulling a fire alarm. Or attempting to. He doesn't actually get to. And when questioned about it, he's like, well, I didn't want to fail the test. Well, you failed the test, Right? So where's the consequences to that? Like, because he did something else, we are focused on that part of the plot and just ignoring the test he ran away from. Which, like, uh, this episode tries to do too much. Alright. I liked the storyline, but that's just me. Uh, so, uh, I did like it. I just would have liked to see a little bit more ambition out of him. I feel like that would have been trying to cram even more. So now we have the Lisa, the Lisa, the Lindsay storyline. Yes. A lot happens here. We start with uh, Joel from Mystery Science Theater 3000. And Daniel, or Daniel and Ken have dragged Kim and Lindsay because Ken's date is Lindsay for plot reasons, despite the fact that he's in a relationship with Amy. Yeah. Lindsay needs to be there because plot. And Daniel and Ken run into the disco in the bowling alley and yell, Disco sucks! Yeah, it's apparently a tradition. And one of the dancers turns around, and it's Nick Andopoulos. Yes, Nick's in there dancing with a girl. And everyone's kind of just like, Oh no! And we find out the next day at school that uh, it's the end of the school year, Nick now has a girlfriend named Sarah, mm-hmm. and they're entering a dance contest at the disco. Mm-hmm. We also find out they, they're in their English class, and the University of Michigan picks from the top 1% of students, and Lindsay Weir is selected for an elite pre-college academic summit, which sounds miserable. Yes. You'll be ranked daily, there'll be competitions and rivalries, and we already know she doesn't really love competition yes because the mathletes episode. the mathletes episode which just to, to throw this out here now we will not see millie again no and i'm crushed by that no and it's a shame because this makes sense to see millie in this episode but we don't yeah millie should be congratulating Lindsay right now but she doesn't anyway Lindsay is picked for the most prestigious thing in the world like we see every teacher like congratulating Lindsay on this unbelievable opportunity. In the previous episode, she embarrassed the entire school in front of the vice president of America. Yep. Let's go with her. Let's pick her. And let's not have her suffer any consequences for that action. And in fact, give her a prize. She complains to Rosso, and Ross is like, usually people are real happy about this. And she goes like, I don't even study that much. Are kids in Michigan high schools that stupid? Yes. I mean, honors classes, I did look this up. Honors classes existed in the 80s. 
So it does seem kind of unrealistic that she would be in cl- like a math class with Daniel. Because wasn't she in a math class with Daniel at some point? No, no. no. She that I just remembered how he, the cheating episode. Yeah. Uh, but she's in an English class with... Kim and Nick. Kim and Nick, who are burnouts who don't do anything. Right. So yeah, her paper probably reads like Shakespeare <laughs> after the teacher has read Kim's and Nick's. So she she's like worried about it to Rosso, and Rosso's like, do you listen to The Grateful Dead? It always helps me distress. I'll lend you this album. Mm-hmm. And so he hands her a record. And at lunch... The Deadheads from two episodes ago tell Lindsay how great the album is. And one of the girls goes, I wish I'd never heard it so I could hear it again for the first time. Yes. This is a great depiction of Deadheads. Because the Deadheads just see the album and they're like, The Grateful Dead! Awesome! Uh, And I know this because I went to a Wawa once and... There was a guy just kind of like sitting in his car with the door open and like listening to music. And I kind of like started bobbing my head and he saw me and he pointed at me and he gave me a hug and said, forever grateful, man, forever grateful, great shirt. He thought I was wearing a Grateful Dead shirt. What were you wearing? I was wearing a Black Adam shirt. (laughs) black with a lightning bolt and he was like ah a friend of mine a hug friend oh my god that's my nightmare (laughs) i never want strangers to hug me in public (laughs) ever and i went yeah (laughs) and i went and i got a soft pretzel so uh lindsey there's also a moment where uh sarah is calling ken kenny he hates it and Ken is begging Lindsay to go out with Nick again because he can't stand Sarah. This, to me, I thought was the key moment of the show. I'm wrong, but I thought this was the key moment. So I'm going to pitch how I thought the show was going to end okay. based off of this moment. She has all of these people saying, you need to go to the summit. You need to go to the summit. You need to go to the summit. And all through her life, it's like, you need to join Mathletes. You need to uh, uh, promote my store. And she's kind of just in this place of like, I just want to be me. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to when she quit Mathletes and she goes back with the freaks because that's the last time she was happy. Yeah. So like all this is happening and then she sits down and Ken goes... Lindsay, can you please start going out with Nick again? I, I can't take much more of this. Yeah. The freaks are doing the thing that she hates to her. Yes. They're now demanding she does something that she doesn't want to do. And I was like, this is brilliant. This is going to be the moment where she's like, oh, I'm not a mathlete. But I'm also not this. Yeah. So I was like, this is great. I am 100% on board. The show's going to break my heart. It's going to crush my soul. So Lindsay goes home and puts on the Grateful Dead album. And she listens to it over and over again. And for the first time in the entire show, we see the character who's supposed to be our lead, 
truly happy. Yeah. That night at dinner, uh, Jean and Harold are very proud of Lindsay about the academic summit. She doesn't want to go. Harold argues with her. And she keeps saying, like, look, I didn't say I wasn't going. Yeah, she, it's, it's very interesting wording. She says, I don't even know if I want to go, but I'm gonna, is basically the thing she's going. Like, she's accepted that her fate is going. She has not decided if it's her want. Yeah. <laughs> even if she does, even though she is going. So, uh, Lindsay then sits with the deadheads at lunch. Yeah. They're enthusiastic, they're sweet, and they are high as hell. And they're planning to follow the tour for nine days this summer. And these nine days actually do line up with the real summer of 1981 Grateful Dead tour. Oh, that's good research. Uh, But obviously, it's going to be the same two weeks as the summit. Mm -hmm. Because of course it is. Of course it is. And she says, the, the deadhead says something like, Yeah, I mean, it's like nothing you've ever experienced. This one time we were in New Jersey, and it started raining right in the middle of the show. (laughs) Suddenly, everybody goes running down to the pit and they start dancing in the mud. And then the sun comes out and there's this rainbow right over the stage. And I started crying. It was beautiful. Okay, cool. So... So annoying. So we get that, like, that little moment and Lindsay and Kim are talking and she says, like, I wish I didn't have to do this academic summit. And Kim is grumpy. She's like, I don't have any money. Daniel never wants to go anywhere. And she goes like, well, you could go somewhere without Daniel. And Kim goes, that's easy for you to say, Lindsay. You get to leave. I don't. Mm-hmm. So at the disco, Nick is freaking out. Yeah, by the way, Nick's still in this episode. <laughs> Sarah's comforting him, telling him he's a good dancer. Sarah's his girlfriend. I don't think we've ever established that we on did. Mike, but We did. Okay, I'm just saying. Uh, he mentions Lindsay... And Sarah confronts him about liking her. And he's like, no, 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 Sarah. He's like, I care about her, but I really like you. And we find out that Sarah's had a crush on Nick since the sixth grade. Yeah. Now, we did see Sarah before this. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Sarah talks about Abba to Nick at one point. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Like, a thousand episodes. So, she's been here the whole time. Interesting. I'd like to point out that they are practicing dancing disco in the space that his drums used to be. Yeah. So, Dad, you taking away the drums didn't do jack. I just disco dance now instead of study. So, Ken drags Lindsay to the uh, bowling disco to tell Nick up, to tell Nick off. Yeah. And while this is happening, Joel Hodgson calls Ken out. Yeah. About how, like, the new Rolling Stone song is disco and deal with it and throws Ken out. Yeah. Uh, Ken gets thrown out and the bouncer's like, they're closing this disco next week. Yeah. You're right. It's foxy boxing next week. And there's a great moment where Lindsay and Nick talk. And Nick is about as tall as Lindsay when he is sitting. Yeah. (laughs) He's a monster man. He's turned his life around. uh, He's quit smoking pot. And Lindsay is genuinely happy for him. Yeah, they, they rattle off. All the plot points you're worried about. It's like, I've stopped smoking pot because that was an issue. Yeah, I remember that. That's great. I've also started studying because that was an issue. Okay, that's great too. Hey, weren't you going to go to military school? Oh, oh, we're not going to bring that up? We're just going to forget? There's a whole part where you had to live with my family? No. It never comes up. Nope. Never comes up. 
And Lindsay's genuinely happy for Nick because she does not have feelings for him. Yeah. And Ken's like, I'm having more fun with Sarah. And she's like, that's great. Yeah. She gets up to leave. He stares after her. And it's very obvious he didn't mean what he said. Yeah. So when we see Nick dance, it's angry and intense. And it's very much like Saturday Night Fever. Angry dance disco. You know, Saturday Night Fever is also based out of like male depression and anger. No, believe it or not, I've never seen that film. So it's actually tonally really loyal to Saturday Night Fever. That's fun. (laughs) And Nick kills it. Joel Hodgson throws him off. And Eugene, the disco magician, is next. And Nick is apoplectic because he's like, you didn't tell me we could do magic. (laughs) So he's just like turning scarves into wands. I'm so disappointed that Eugene was not the math teacher. Oh, that would have been Because there was a brief moment I thought it was the math teacher in a wig, but it wasn't. That, I think, would have been a really fun ending to this. It would kind of be this great thing of like, wow, the math teacher's taking another thing away from me. That would have been really interesting. So, uh, we then see Lindsay at the bus station... Uh, She's going to take the bus instead of the Weirs driving her there. She kisses them goodbye. Neil and Bill show up. Mm -hmm. Neil gives her chocolates because Neil had a crush on her. Yeah, remember? And she kisses him and Bill each on the cheek. And Bill laughs at Neil and goes like, ha, it didn't even cost me any money. Yeah, because again, kissing is a thing a girl can do at any time, but withholds it because she knows men want it. I hate that trope. So she gets on the bus, she calls after her mother and says, like, I'll see you soon and I love you. If I may. Okay. We're so close. She gets on the bus and she turns and says goodbye to just, after she said goodbye to everyone, she says goodbye to her mom and she's clearly about to cry. Yeah. And I kind of get this feeling of, wait, is she running away from home? Like... She's going to be back in a week. Lindsay, I swear to God, <laughs> you get off this bus. I'm going to lose my mind. Laura, what happened? Uh, we get a long moment of her sitting contemplatively on the bus that she then gets off to discover Kim. And the girls embrace and they get on a bus with the deadheads. With the deadheads. And uh, the Cosmic Cutie from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, which is factually inaccurate because they didn't start using that logo till several years later. And the word stay calm instead of don't panic. Instead of don't panic. <laughs> almost to rub salt in the wound as the show ends with the bus driving off. Guys. I am so insulted by this ending. Because to me, I was just like... I've I've been arguing for Lindsay this entire podcast. This is the fifth episode I had been arguing for Lindsay being a good character. Where she's like, she's lost. She's figuring it out. She makes mistakes, but she's learning. And then for it to end with, and then she throws her life away to go to a Grateful Dead concert after listening to one album a day ago? I know how the Lindsay Weir story ends. She joins a cult because she is the most easily influenced human being on the planet. 
Two people said, yo, that's a real good album. And it changed her life forever. That's insanity. We, they destroyed everything. Like, they might as well have just had the bus crash. Like, so angry. What were they thinking? Uh, it was a way to do an ending for her. And I think to the showrunners, this is a good ending for Lindsay. They think this is a good ending for her. Because she's made connection and, and is happy, I guess, for now. I'm not sure if you have this information, but this is my memory of it. Where's the summit? University of Michigan. The University of Michigan? Yes. The show takes place in Michigan? Yes. Okay. The show's in Texas, right? Yeah, Texas up through uh, Colorado. They're driving... Across the entire country, her parents think she's at the University of Michigan. Yep. And she's in Texas. Yep. She could die. How much money could she possibly have? She spent all of her college fund on fake IDs. Season two would have started with Lindsay being taken out of a concert on a stretcher. No! Okay, Cindy Sanders. No! <laughs> Don't accept... Because... Oh, <laughs> if she's take, If that was the start of season two, that means that was the planned ending for the season. They didn't change it when the series ended. They wanted to give themselves space uh, to have a season two if they could have. No, they wanted to give themselves distance because if they were in striking range right now, somebody get dropped. <laughs> Tell me more, Laura. Because uh, they did actually talk about what season two would have been. Uh, well, I hope that got picked up on the money. <laughs> that's just my bones reacting to this. So, so they actually, they did not know they were canceled when they filmed the finale, but they wanted the season finale to be effective as a series finale as if it safety. had to be. Okay. Which is actually that not... That makes more sense. It's not uncommon. Yeah. Uh, so they, they'd had some ideas for what season two would have been. Cindy and Sam would have been bitter rivals. Uh, Neil oh. would have joined show choir. Okay, that makes sense. Sam would have gotten into drama club because Sam is just an audio... is a uh, author avatar. Okay. Uh, oh, funny thing I met, wanted to mention about the D&D episode. You know who's directing the D&D movie? The D- upcoming Dungeons and Dragons no. movie? John Francis Daly. Oh, really? Do you know who John, John Francis Daly is? Isn't it Sam? Sam Weir. Yeah. So uh, that's a great little... What a geek. <laughs> it's just a nice little moment. So uh, there, he was also going to have this... Uh, so that was going to be Sam's path. And Sam was also going to kind of grow away from the geeks a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill was going to start to kind of become more athletic under Coach Frederick's tutelage. Because Coach Frederick's was going to marry Gloria in the next season. Biff from Back to oh, the Future okay, was okay. going to marry Bill's mom. That, that makes sense. 
So, uh, because the actor playing Bill had been going to the gym and it wouldn't have been that hard for them. Oh, it's like, I've been hanging out with my stepdad. Uh, they weren't really sure what they were going to do with Daniel. Uh, they, they knew that at some point Daniel would probably end up in jail, but that would be something probably that like would happen after the series. Uh, Nick, they just, they were going to send Nick to the army. I mean, they were? Because they forgot. Uh, they weren't sure what they were going to do with Ken. Because uh, <laughs> he didn't do much. And they were going to have Millie play around with different identities. Like, every season Millie was going to be a little different, maybe. Okay. And in my least favorite, Kim was going to end up pregnant. Oh. From going on the Deadhead tour. Ooh, no. Uh, the show... Has a female problem. And what what happens to Lindsay other than she's on a stretcher? Something bad. Oh, um, of course. <laughs> so she would come back. Uh, she would have completely, quote, she would have completely lost the trust of her family. So she's in even deeper, having been really outed as a problem. But there wasn't a strong direction I had for her. When I was looking up the, what Paul Feig thought was going to happen in season two. Mm-hmm. He has really strong ideas for all of the freaks. The geek, or excuse me, for all the geeks, rather. Yeah. The freaks are all nebulous and miserable. <laughs> a Reddit thread, actually, on our freaks and geeks, on a fan page for the show, was like, this sounds miserable. I'm glad it only had one season. Yeah. It almost had two. MTV wanted freaks and geeks. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's actually a perfect fit, fit for MTV, especially they, with the music and stuff. They just couldn't. They couldn't afford it. Yeah. Again, we're talking about a show with a huge music budget, 10 series regulars, a pretty hefty supporting cast. They would have had to cut the budget down by a lot. So they just, they just didn't. Uh, it was tough. Uh, the network just asked constantly asked Judd Apatow to give the kids a few more victories. And they would just, they refused. It's, it's insane. Cause like often with this show, with this show, and by this show, I mean, stay doomed. Mm -hmm. We will watch a show and we'll be like, this season is bad. But if you compare the first episode to the last episode, you see it starting to find its legs. Yeah. And if they fixed X, Y, and Z, season two could be a smash. Yeah. I don't see that with this show at all. Like, it just seems like they really like the mistakes they're making. Yes. And plan to keep making them until you're too sad to watch. Uh, That's essentially what was said. Um... It's essentially an American, uh, Scott Sasso, who was uh, an executive for NBC at the time, said like, we had this constant battle with Judd Apatow about making things more upbeat. He thought we were going to put ponies and unicorns in. We just wanted some wins for the characters. Mm -hmm. And uh, Judd Apatow and Paul Feig really just dug their heels in. It's, it's unbelievable. Like... I'm trying to think of a win. 
that anyone really gets that I approve of. Because you could easily say Bill got a win when he kissed Vicky, and I don't approve of that. And, like, most of the wins they get, they erase. Yeah. Like, Sam gets Cindy, and then it's terrible. Rosso gets a win when Lindsay asks that question. Yeah. Rosso gets a win. Rosso, one win for Rosso. Gene gets a win when Lindsay stays home and gives out candy. The adults get more wins than the kids do. You know... You know who gets the most wins, I think? Gordon? Gordon? Yeah, Gordon Crisp gets a few. Gordon, yeah, Gordon makes friends in the show. He gets to go to a sci-fi convention, which he loves, loves, and loves. Coach Fredericks gets a few wins. He, Coach Fredericks gets He a, gets to drink out of Bill's mug. Yeah, he bangs Bill's mom for revenge. <laughs> That's a win. <laughs> and so... Neil's dad gets some wins. He gets to cheat on his wife and get no consequences because there's no consequences in this town. Yeah, Barry gets some wins. <laughs> Barry, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, they they thought they had the main characters really clearly outlined, except for Kim Kelly, who was never supposed to be in the entire first season. Which is baffling because she's my favorite. Well, her and Millie. <laughs> but uh, Judd Apatow even admits... Paul Feig understood the geeks really well. Mm-hmm. So they ended up rewriting the freaks around the actors a lot. That makes sense. Uh, I think the show does have a problem with how the women are written. Yeah. Because I think if Lindsay Weir had been played by anyone less than Linda Cardellini, she would be abhorred. Yeah. She would be despised. Because Lindsay Weir is not a very good character. Linda no. Cardellini does a lot of overtime to make us even remotely sympathize with or like Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that is kind of a bummer about this mm-hmm. show. And like, I was a smart kid who didn't study that much, who was constantly kind of flirting with reinvention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I swung around in the end being a lot more like seven-year-old Lara. Mm-hmm. But there, there were days where every day for a week I would look like a different high school stereotype. Yeah. You'd be a chameleon. And so I kind of thought that's what they were trying with Lindsay. Like, I had positive acquaintances in pretty much every group. Yeah. Like, I was friendly enough with most people. And I thought that's kind of maybe what they were trying to do with Lindsay. But it seems like Lindsay... There's a lot of scenes Lindsay's in because the plot dictates she would be. Yeah. I, I get that. And Kim is one of the best characters, but I was so furious at the idea that, like, oh, Kim was going to come back pregnant. I was like, is that the only way you know how to punish a girl? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Lindsay was going to get injured and Kim was going to come back pregnant. And something about that really rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So uh, NBC was really supportive of the series. Think about, they let this run for 18 episodes and the... Uh, well, some of them didn't air. Right. Uh, 15 aired. Uh, I believe 12 aired before it was officially canceled. They burned mm. off three of them that summer. Right. And the last three did not air until Fox Family. Right. 
But they let them produce 18 episodes. Mm-hmm. That's more than the fir- the you know, front 13 back 9. Yeah, gave them a spot in the Thanksgiving Day parade, which was miserable by all accounts. Uh the actress who played Jean Weir said, "Quote uh it was a really cold, windy, icy day, and at one point we were on a street corner and the float was stopped and someone yelled up to us, "Who are you?" <laughs> But they also said, like, stars of the hit comedy, Freaks and Geeks. And I was like, it's not really either of those things. Yeah. It's not a comedy. It has moments where it's funny. It's a funny moment, but it is not a comedy. It is a drama. Um, Yeah, that's one of the big problems is an identity thing. There's one thing I do want to say that I'm going to give some credit for because I've been mean about this the whole time. I really should give them a pass on the continuity thing. Okay. Because in my with my 2022 eyes binge watching this. Yeah. Like I want payoffs from past episodes when that was not really even the norm in television then. Like you get your condensed story and then you get a new condensed story. Uh the if there had been continuity on this show it would have been a train wreck because episodes get missed and then it goes off the air for a month. So me demanding that of this show is unfair to me. Yeah. But it also needs to write better characters. Yeah, I think my biggest issue with the show is it's it it tries to do a lot. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with the idea of the A and the B plot? Yeah. This show always tries to have the A plot and the A plot. Yeah. And sometimes another plot. Because, like, the finale had so many plots. We were doing way too much in the finale. It's just, they, they didn't have the time to do that. It's, man, I really wanted to like this show. I really did. As did I. And the one show I really wanted, I hate to do this, but the show that I kept comparing it to in my brain was The Good Family. Okay. Where I think if you take any episode of Freaks and Geeks, the same way you could take any episode of of, uh, The Good Family, and went to a friend and said, this is my favorite show, and showed them a random episode, they would watch it and go, oh, I can see how this is good. This probably wasn't a great episode. Yeah. Because it it never quite gets there. And, like, there are some great moments in this show. I, I believe I said into this microphone, or the old mic, actually, because we got a new one, uh, that I think Kim Kelly is My Friend is one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. Okay. And I stand by that. But as a whole, man, there's some problems. It's true. Um, I I really wanted to like it. I heard... I, uh, you know, I... I I've heard a lot about the show. It's considered one of the greatest cult TV shows of all time. I was going in expecting to be blown away. And I I also completely understand how this show failed, given how it was run. Because mm-hmm. you and I agreed that the last two Stay Doomed episodes were, so the last third of the season, was considerably better yeah. than the first two thirds. They did kind of learn. So... Most people didn't stick around for the miserable couple of seasons. 
the, the miserable, couple, miserable of couple of episodes. Once it just seemed relentlessly depressing and bleak, a lot of people just didn't. Yeah. It's not... It's a shame. And I could see that because I didn't really want to stick with the show after like the second or third episode. When we did the first Stay Doomed episodes worth, I was dreading watching the rest of the series. Yeah, and like we were 100% planning for this to be a three-parter. Like we were going to watch six episodes of this and report back. And once we were through the couple episodes, we were like, wow, these are 44 dense minutes that have a lot to discuss and a lot of like issues to be dissected. There was like, oh, we know that this cannot be done in three. And then it ended up being five, which again, we apologize for. Yeah, um, it was, it was very difficult because it's also, um, sometimes when we have these long shows, uh, it's incredibly, uh, strenuous to watch because I am taking extremely detailed notes. Yes. And I get tired. Yeah. And this show was not... Sometimes when we do like a reality show mm-hmm. or a show with a more clear format, it's a little easier to go like, okay, this is the elimination ceremony. Yeah. And then I don't have to take as many notes. Yeah. This, it was 45 minutes and occasionally I'd have to ask you to pause or I would use the... We watched it on Hulu so there were commercial breaks. We'd have to use that to catch up. Yeah. Speaking of Hulu, I think that is part of what gave this show its mythos. This show took a while to syndicate. Yeah. Because of all of the music. It also was very slow to come to DVD. Yeah. Because of all of the music. Uh, This is back when they didn't clear it for, uh, you know, they didn't clear everything for the movie rights. Or the the syndication or streaming rights. So it would take a while for these kinds of things to come out. Freaks and Geeks came out in DVD uh, in April 2004. Oh, wow. So this show was more or less lost for like three years. Interesting. And that would become, you know, it kind of gives a lot of mythos to a show so uh, another a a special edition came out in 2008 and in 2005 uh the blu-ray came out okay the dvds and blu-rays are currently out of print that makes sense but it is on hulu uh there were also two uh books that were released uh that i was not able to get a hold of it's unfortunate because i would have liked to but I, I could not get a hold of it in time. Right. Plus, we had all that television to watch. Yes. Uh, that's another big piece of it, is I didn't have the ability mm-hmm. to go through and get the whole book. They're also monstrously expensive to find. Yeah. I, like, let me rephrase that. I could find them. I was not paying 70 bucks a pop for them. Uh, I do want to say my solution to this... Mm-hmm. One of the things I recommend is give it an hour block and have a show called Freaks and have a show called Geeks and have them exist in the same universe, but just focus on just one group. I think the jumping back and forth is a problem 
because naturally a person watching this will care about one group more than the other. It's true. And like there's this feeling because I felt myself do it a lot where like the geeks would be doing something I care about. We'd cut to the freaks and I'm like, man, I want to look at my phone, but I can't because I'm getting ready for a show. Uh, the other thing, and like, I know I'm in the land of make-believe when I say this. Yeah. But I think would really help this. My favorite part of this is the very beginning where we start with the jock storyline and then we go under the bleachers to be like, it, we're not that show, we're this show. Yeah. And you had mentioned to me while we were talking about this show that they were afraid with the the network notes that they were trying to turn this show into Dawson's Creek. Yes. I think if this show existed in the same world as a Dawson's Creek, like instead of it just being like, this is freaks and geeks, this is the other side of it. If you took an existing show and were like, okay, here's the other side and it's the same high school, that would be brilliant. I used to actually, that's very community yeah, I know um, it's impossible, but that that's my dream. That actually used to be how I would write fan fiction. I would be like, okay, you cannot change anything that has happened. Mm-hmm. Everything I write would have had to follow the rules of that world. So, like, I wrote a Harry Potter Marauders era fan fiction and killed off my lead in the war before, like, around when Harry was born. To explain why that character had never been brought up. Mm. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I just, I thought it would be interesting if, like, you had a Dawson's Creek-esque show, that like a high school drama show already, that followed the preps. And then every once in a while, you saw Daniel in the background. And then you saw Daniel's story on this other show. Yeah, I mean, the, the I think to me, this was just a case of, Pride is the sin by which the angels fell. Yeah. Apatow and Feig could not take the notes, could not, like, accept that maybe their way wasn't the best way. Mm-hmm. Because apparently Seth Rogen, a few years ago, confronted a uh, NBC executive who canceled it. Oh, really? Because the attitude toward this executive was, he went to private school, he doesn't understand. Oh, really? And... Unfortunately, like, the show just needed to follow some of the rules of television. Mm-hmm. I'm, re- I'm currently recreationally reading an oral history of The Office. Yeah. Uh, as of, like, two days ago. I brought it, uh, brought it with me somewhere, and then that's what I had to do. So I... They mentioned Freaks and Geeks a lot, because it was the last big show that had broken a lot of rules prior to The Office. Yeah. And The Office broke a lot of rules and then essentially changed the rules. Yeah. Because everything since then has done that mockumentary format. I mean, and a big thing about The Office, though, is they they broke a lot of rules and then they recognized the issues and then they fixed them. Yeah. They're like, Michael Scott's an unlikable asshole. We need to make him someone we can cheer for. Yep. And th- he's completely different in season two. Not completely different, but they make the needed change. Verdict time. Okay. What are you saying? (sighs) Knowing what a season two would have been, stay doomed. (laughs) It's a stay doomed mercy. Yeah, it's a stay doomed knowing how season two would have looked 
And it doesn't sound like they were going to fix any of the things I didn't enjoy about the show. Right. So, yeah. It's a stay doomed for me as well. That is not to say that the show is bad. No. Uh, There are parts of the show that are bad. But when I give a stay doomed verdict, it's not me saying, like, this show, it doesn't deserve to be dug up and watched. It just means that it shouldn't get a season two. Yeah. I understand those who like it. There are parts of this I really enjoy. And I definitely think this is a show that was most harmed by the format of our show. Yes. Because we had to binge it. And like I think binging it hurts this show. If you watch it just on occasion, I think it's much better. And... The, the like, we have to watch this right now so we can get the horror episode out has been has never been felt more. I also think if this show came out now, this show would be wildly popular. Uh, if it was following the rules of now mm-hmm. and strung together the continuity a little more. Yeah. But I think... The ability to go catch up. Even like, I'm currently watching Abbott Elementary whenever you're not home. I can go back and catch up on Abbott Elementary. And that's not something that was really around at the time. Uh, One of the big problems Freaks and Geeks had is they were the first NBC show to have a website. And NBC wouldn't let them post the website anywhere. (laughs) Because they didn't want people to get off, stop watching TV and get on the computer. Oh, that's funny. Because that was the time. That was 1999-2000. I will say, like, in watching this, this show really makes me want to cover and also really makes me not want to cover Everything Sucks on Netflix. Which looked very Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. So, that's on the list. It's always been on the list. And I think I don't know if it's moved up and or down, (laughs) but it's on there. Also on the list, naturally, is Undeclared. Right. Which is essentially... Which is definitely moved down. <laughs> which is essentially... It's interesting, though. It's a half-hour comedy. Oh. So it is very different from Freaks and up. Geeks. So, so it is a stay doomed from us. It's not because it is without merit. It's just... It is not... I don't think it would have benefited from a season two based on yes. what they were planning to make as a season two. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing about our very binary uh, rating system. Yeah, that's why we... Stay tuned means season two. It's a stay tuned. Yeah, that's why we have the game over rule. That's why we have... You know, we just have so many rules now. Yeah. So, what are we watching next week? Uh, We're watching a pilot because we need a minute. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be the animated series Coneheads based on the SNL sketch. Yes, as voted by our wonderful patrons. And then after that... We will have our season four post-mortem, and then we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, we'll be off for most of the month of November. Yes, just to get our lives in order. Information about that in the post-mortem episode. Yeah. Where can people find us? You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you think the kids from Freaks and Geeks deserved more wins, I'm at Plus Two Comedy on Twitter. If you know that sometimes you have to take the constructive criticism, I'm at Bean Bunny Lives. Until next time, stay doomed.